This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. In the 30th chapter of Isaiah's prophecy, we're given some beautiful words which describe the mercy of God. And he hears the cries of his people. He promises them that although they will have to undergo persecution and hardship, yet he will hear as his people call out to him. Not only will he have mercy on them and deliver them from adversity, but also he will guide them in the way they are to go. Here's how the prophet Isaiah speaks of the voice of the Lord. Isaiah 30, verse 21. And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it. Many years later, the apostle Paul echoes that same thought as he writes to the church at Colossae. He reminds them that they have received Christ as Savior and Redeemer, and that their relationship also demands something on their part. He says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. So this morning I'd like to use just three words which describe this walk with the Lord. These words apply to us all, regardless of our age or our years of being a Christian. This is for all who have professed Christ as Lord. So what kind of journey do we have when we walk with the Lord? First, it is a practical walk. When we walk with the Lord, it shows in our life. The one who really walks with the Lord can no more hide his way of walking then can the person who does not walk with the Lord succeed in pretending to do so? We're talking about a very practical, down-to-earth thing here. There's a great danger now, I think, in facing uh, this uh, danger that's facing some who profess to follow Jesus. And that danger is in attempting to take Jesus and set him up on a pedestal which is so high that we fail to see him as one in whose footsteps we should follow. Now surely Jesus is one to be reverenced and respected. He is the sinless Son of God. But at the same time, it's a dangerous thing for us to think of Jesus as an object of worship only. The danger is that we may try to treat Jesus as the heathen treats his idols, bringing him an offering and kneel a little while before him, then go off and live our lives as if Jesus never lived, never died, or never demanded that those who love him walk in his steps. True commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ means that we'll do our best to live lives with attitudes and ideas that are in keeping with his as we constantly re-examine, examine again, and change our lives to conform to His way. You see, this gets down to our level of living. That's a very practical matter. Now, when we bring this thought down to everyday life, it means that we will accept whatever task, small or great, that God places before us. 
Roy Smith has a good illustration of this truth in his sidewalk sermons. He tells of two country boys who were sunning themselves out in front of a big uh, a country grocery store at the edge of a big wood. One of these fellows was a great big massive man with bulging muscles. The other one sitting there beside him was a little chap who was evidently very fascinated by the size and the strength of his companion beside him. And so as they sat there in front of the grocery store out in the country, the smaller boy spoke first. Man, he said, looking up at the other one, what a man you are. You about the most man I ever did see. You know what I'd do if I was as big a man as you are? What would you do, little fella? Asked the big fella without even turning his head. Little one said, well, I'd go out there into them woods and I'd find me the biggest bear I could find. I'd tackle him barehanded and tear him limb from limb just to show what a man I was. That's what I'd do if I was as big a man as you. Slowly, the big fella turned and looked down on his small friend. And then with a slight jerk of his head, he said, listen, little man. There's plenty of little bears over in them woods. Why don't you go kill yourself one of them? <laughs> Let's not forget that it's not necessary to be ordained by some church in order to walk with the Lord and to accept places of service that he may be making available to us. Someone said, it's not what you do with a million if riches should be your lot, but what are you doing today with a dollar and a quarter you've got? Yes, the walk with the Lord is a very practical walk. But there's another thing about this walk with the Lord. It is progressive. Oh, what a real temptation it is for Christians to sit, want to take a rest, when God continues to call for laborers to go into his vineyard and work. Let me ask you, have you ever been on a treadmill? Maybe called by some other name, such as an exercise belt, but... Anyway, the idea is that you get on this contraption, turn the motor on, and the belt starts moving. The person standing on it begins to walk, or to jog, or to run, depending on how fast the wide belt is moving. A person can do a lot of walking or running on one of those things, but you know, when you get off, you're right there where you started from. You haven't gone anywhere. When we walk with the Lord, there must be some progress. This walk with Christ was never designed to be a treadmill experience. We walk with the Lord. And the very idea of walking suggests progress, not staying in the same place. Paul, speaking to the Ephesian church, encouraged them to grow up into him in all things. That's Ephesians 4.15. Later, as he was writing to the Thessalonians, Paul said, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men. That's 1 Thessalonians 3.12. Peter talked about this idea of progression and growth when he said, Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, and to patience godliness. At 2 Peter, the first chapter, verses 5 and 6. Peter also tells them to grow, look at that word, grow, grow in grace. 
and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's 2 Peter 3.18. All of these verses, and so many more, indicate that the walk with the Lord Jesus is an experience of moving on, not of standing still, but rather of increasing, progressing, seeking higher ground of new experiences with Christ. For example, what about your prayer life? Uh, do you have any ways in which you have prayed with different words, or is it just the same old, same old every time you pray? There are aids to help you, daily devotions that are abundant when people want to take that and just look at some ways in which our prayer life can increase. Well, let me mention just one other word which describes this walk with the Lord. Our walk is not only practical, progressive, but in the third place, our walk with Him is protected. You simply cannot walk with the Lord and stay out of trouble. Jesus sent His disciples out as sheep among wolves, and He warned them not to be deceived by words of praise. He even told some that there would be a time that would come when those who killed them would do so thinking they were doing God a favor. A natural con consequence of walking with the Lord is trouble from Satan and all his forces. But the walk with the Lord is protected, you say, preacher? Yes, it is. It is a protected walk not from trouble, but in the midst of trouble. And there's a big difference there. Dr. James Chalmers, who was a missionary many years ago to the cannibals who lived in the South Sea Islands, makes our faith look pale as he relates some of his experiences. I had set up camp, he said, in a dangerous tribe of cannibals. Day after day, I pled with the old chief to let me preach to his people. I could speak his language. And I told him the story of Jesus with all the fervor of my heart. He listened very attentively, but he was not convinced by what I was saying. I had not paid much attention to his son, who sat just behind him as I talked, until one day the son came to my tent with questions that were so penetrating that they startled me. The weeks wore on and I was a virtual prisoner in this camp of cannibals. Then one day towards sunset, the tom-toms began to beat. The tribe began to gather and a huge fire was built. Two rough young giants of men led me to the center of the ring and they tied me to a stake. The old chief held his powwow and a death sentence was passed on me. Dr. Chalmers said, wild dancing and carousing followed way into the night. Finally, it was stilled by the old chief standing and holding out both hands. He made a speech to me, and he added at the end of his speech this question. Where's your God now? If he is able to deliver you, I will believe in him. But my answer to the chief was drowned out in the wild yells of delight as the dance was resumed. Then suddenly, the old chief's son 
a tall young boy who carried a long sword that had been taken from a pirate boat, walked into the middle of the circle and stood with his back toward me. He whipped out his long sword out of its scabbard and a hush fell over the whole affair. In a clear, unfaltering voice, the son said, this missionary's God is busy tonight and so he sent me to deliver him. There will be no feast tonight. The missionary lives. If any person objects, I'm waiting. A long silence followed, broken only by the quiet whispers among the braves. The old chief stepped forward into the circle. The young giant of his son pointed the long sword at the ground in front of his father, and the boy's voice was quiet but deadly. He said, you may come two more steps, no farther. The old chief stopped and stood looking at his son. There was admiration written all over the old chief's face. He lifted both hands and he turned back to face his tribe. And then he said, tonight I abdicate as chief in favor of my son. From now on, he is your chief. Obey his commands from here forward. Then the old chief turned and faced his son and said, may I have permission to cut the ropes that bind the prisoner? James Chalmers told this story, and then he wrote a sentence at the end of the story, which is as follows. I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Yes, when we walk with the Lord, we're going to find that God means business with us, because he makes this walk to be a practical walk. It is a walk which constantly moves on by progressions as we are changed from glory into glory till in heaven we take our place. And through it all, God has promised to be with us, giving us his hand of protection, even in the midst of earthly troubles, which are also promised. So the question for us today is this. Are you walking with the Lord in your life? right now? If you're not, he invites you to come and walk with him. Oh God, help us, we pray, whether we have professed to walk with you in the past or maybe this is the first time. Help us to know that when we walk with you, you'll be with us. Thank you for that calm assurance that we have. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.